In a world where magic is controlled by law and government, mages are both coddled and persecuted. Corey Monroe knows she isn't a mage, and her best friend is. Reality isn't always what you know. If you are looking for an urban fantasy with found family, an education-based magic system, and evolving storylines, try My Luck by Mel Todd, book one in the Twisted Luck series. Available exclusively on Amazon. Welcome to The Everyday Novelist. My name is J. Daniel Sawyer, author of nearly 30 books, more than 30 short stories, and numerous articles and scripts and essays, coming to you from up in the crow's nest with my spyglass on this daily voyage through the dicey waters of business, craft, learning, and art in the writing life. Welcome to The Questions, episode 1033. Today we hear from my garden. Herb. Oh, Herb, sorry. Today we hear from Herb, who asks, How do you define an adventure story? What events or needs does it have? Well, there's the trite answer, which is that adventure is a euphemism for someone else being in trouble a very long way away from you. (laughs) Um, Adventure is... uh, Adventure fiction are stories that involve um, exotic locations, um, outsized physical danger, a playful sensibility without being without being frivolous. So once you cross the line into too much frivolity, the danger stops being real and you're off into some weird forms of comedy. Adventure fiction is problem-solving fiction. The characters are trying to get out of trouble. They're usually animated by a very singular goal. A treasure hunt um, is almost always... Almost... Okay, that's not true. A treasure hunt or a journey destination, like a travel destination, or um, a bet or something like that, something very clear and tangible is always the animating principle of an adventure story. Sometimes, as with, say, for example, the Swiss Family Robinson story, or the Swiss Family Robinson novel, the object is to stay alive until rescue. Um, That's the whole subgenre of castaway fiction. That's basically um, basically the goal. Wouldn't adventure stories usually have a very limited um, time scope? They often have a very limited time scope. It's something that happens over... Castaway fiction is an exception. That can stretch on for years. Most of the time, the adventure is like strictly hero's journey stuff. It begins and ends with... uh, It begins when the hero leaves home. It ends when the hero comes back home. And the time in between is a matter of days or weeks. Sometimes there is an element of mystery, but the element of mystery is competitive, usually. At least in the long run, it's competitive. So, for example, in the Doc Savage story, Fear Key, there's this attempt on the life of someone who's trying to see Doc Savage. And Doc Savage um, saves her life, and as a result of the... um, attempt on her life decides to take the case investigating what happened. 
because she's got this mysterious story about this uh, island in the uh, Caribbean that has something weird going on. And he's interested in that, but he's mostly concerned with wanting to protect his client. So, in the process of protecting his client, he figures out what's going on on Fear Key and becomes a competitor to the villain for the secrets and power over Fear Key. So, eventually, you can see it really well in, say, Raiders of the Lost Ark with Indiana Jones and Belloc. The bad guy in an adventure story is a competitor for the same prize as the good guy. Um, this is different than in, for example, an epic which contains adventure. A really good uh, way to think about the difference between an epic and an adventure is the difference between The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, respectively. The Lord of the Rings is an epic. There is a lot of adventure in it. But the ultimate goal and the nature of the antagonism is such that it, 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 it's got a much more wandering quality to it, and there's no real direct engagement with the enemy. In The Hobbit... Bilbo's goal is to steal the treasure that the dragon ha- that the dragon already owns. So he and the dragon are direct competitors for the treasure. Now a lot of other stuff happens, and he also has there's an he also has another antagonist in the form of Thorin, who goes crazy mad with uh, with greed once he gets his ancestral fortune to the point where he alienates everybody who helped him get it, starts a war, blah, 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 and Bilbo turns out to be on the other side, and they become... Bilbo becomes his adversary in his uh, attempts to broker a peace. But one way or the other, Bilbo's journey is an adventure. He goes off on a quest to slay the dragon and get the gold from the dragon. So the enemy is his competitor, and the secondary enemy, Thorin, is also, eventually, his competitor for the gold and the Arkenstone. So, um, that's a crucial element of an adventure story. If there is a enemy, the enemy is a competitor for the sa- with the the aim- aiming toward the same goal. There can be villains with a small v that obstruct the way, but they're not the bad guy, the big bad. You can have an adventure story without a big bad, but if you have a big bad, he needs to be the sort of mirror image of the character or competitor on the same road. Um, usually adventure stories will contain a lot of very, very uh, high concept action. Uh, forest fires, um, poisonous snakes, strange monsters, um, exploding stars that threaten the base that your, that your guy is at. Um, Adventure stories are very much patterned on the um, on the old epic poems, especially on the Odyssey, which is a wandering series of episodic events that um, that are all taking place on Odysseus Odysseus's attempt to get home.
the Epic of Gilgamesh, same kind of deal. There's a bigger overarching story. It's got it's it's literally called an epic, but what we consider epic in fantasy now has much more in common with the Norwegian and Viking sagas than they do with is it Norwegian sagas? Scandinavian sagas? There's a, I think it's Norwegian. With the Scandinavian sagas or, or um the Viking sagas than it does with the ancient epic poetry of the Levant, where we get the word epic. Um, ancient epic poetry that survives is um, the Aeneid, the Odyssey, um, the um, the Iliad, uh, Beowulf. Um, I'm missing a couple big ones from the Islamic tradition, but that's the basic uh, idea of how an epic goes. Um, and I know there are epic poems in Chinese and Japanese. I just don't know what they are. Um, I've listened to lectures where they're discussed, but the, the titles haven't stuck in my head. So, um, whereas the Viking sagas much more share the sort of feel of what we have come to consider a epic story. Ep- you know, large political sweep... Lots of different players. Um, the episodic adventure is there, but it ties into a broader canvas. It goes on and on and on and on. Um, and that's where, in modern fiction, epic and adventure are distinguished. Adventure is much more focused. The window of view is very much constrained to the main character's um, to the main character's experience or at least the main team's experience. Doc Savage, Robert E. Howard, um, oh, who are some other great... Uh, Clive Cussler. These are the great adventure fiction writers of the 20th century. They're not the only ones, but they're the ones that set the tone for the genre. So that's where you want to look if you want to understand adventure. Um, and, of course, before them came the pioneer of adventure fiction... As we know it today, the two pioneers of adventure fiction, which were Edgar Rice Burroughs in the Tarzan novels and in uh, the Barzoom novels, and um, uh, um, oh, and um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle in The Lost World, and whoever it was, oh, I can't remember who wrote the Alan Quartermain novel, King Solomon's Mines. But though, and by the way, the Lost World and King Solomon's Mines are now in the public domain. You can get them on archive.org for free and read them, and you should, and on LibriVox in the, uh, as recordings. And you should, because they are the prototypical ed- examples of adventure fiction, and they set the tone for everything that came after. Thank you very much for the question, and I'll see you tomorrow. The Everyday Novelist is written by J. Daniel Sawyer and presented by J. Daniel Sawyer and Kitty McKeon and is produced by Artistic Whispers Productions Incorporated. The text is copyright 2021 J. Daniel Sawyer and the production is copyright 2021 Artistic Whispers Productions Incorporated. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License and all other rights are reserved to their respective owners. Join the conversation, submit a question, leave a comment, or a creative death threat, or find me at jdsawyeronminds.com or hit me at feedback at jdsawyer.net. We can't do it without you.
Dateline, the future. Humankind stretches out to the stars. Maybe they go on generation ships. Maybe they live on space stations. Maybe terraforming bases dominate the worlds of tomorrow. In these hostile places, only two things seem certain. With people come conflicts. And in manufactured environments, the wrong kind of conflict will damage your air supply. So forget regular guns, needle lasers, ray guns, and anything else that can screw up your habitat. I want stories where the violence and conflict depend on ingeniously adapting ancient weapons to future environments, where this technological shift solves old social problems and creates new ones, and where cultures and religions arise around those weapons and provide them contexts, both accepted and outlaw, within their societies. Give me swashbucklers, knife fighters, booby trappers, baton wielders, pirates, mafiosos, Robin Hoods, cops, priests, robbers, fugitives, and assassins. Give me swords in space. This is a paying market. Submit your story to editor at everydaynovelist.com. Be sure to use the phrase swords in space in the subject line. 8,000 words maximum, 2,000 words minimum. See you on the slush pile.